Understanding Childhood Cancer. I'm Dr. Jeff, and today I'm going to be talking about bone marrow transplants again. And in particular, I'm talking about that type of bone marrow transplant where you get the bone marrow from one person and you give it to another person. Now, you should listen to the earlier episode on bone marrow transplants so you know what I'm talking about. But I'm not talking about the one where you store up some of the patient's own bone marrow and give it back to them later. That's the one that's called an autologous bone marrow transplant or an autologous stem cell rescue. And there's a whole separate episode describing that one. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the allogeneic bone marrow transplant. And the allo transplant is more likely the one that doctors will be talking about if the patient has leukemia or if the patient has aplastic anemia or if they have an immune deficiency or a metabolic disorder and sometimes if it's lymphoma that the patient has well they might be talking about an allo transplant or they might be talking about an auto transplant but if the patient has neuroblastoma or a brain tumor or a Wilms tumor or a sarcoma more often they'll be talking about the autologous one, so you shouldn't waste your time listening to all of this unless you have this hunger for information on tissue typing. So today I want to talk about tissue typing. Now, when you're going to do a bone marrow transplant from one person to another person, the all-important thing is selecting the right person to donate the bone marrow. So that's the person that we call the donor, the bone marrow donor. And it's absolutely critical that you identify the right donor of the bone marrow. So you remember what we're going to do in this bone marrow transplant. We're going to give the patient a big dose of chemotherapy, maybe with radiotherapy as well, and that's all going to kill off their bone marrow and hopefully the leukemia as well. Then we're going to get the bone marrow or the cord blood or the stem cells from someone else and give them through the drip into the patient and then they'll go to the bone marrow and start making blood. So they'll travel to the bone marrow and then engraft, that's what you call it, and then start making blood. Well, it's vitally important that the patient and the donor are compatible they have to be compatible. So they have to have a similar tissue type. And that's what I'm talking about today. Because if they don't have a similar tissue type, then there's two things that can happen. The first is that the patient, when, it, when the patient's immune system sees the new bone marrow cells, it will say, that's not me and destroy it. And that's called graft rejection. Graft rejection, rejecting the new bone marrow. The second thing that can happen if the two people aren't compatible in their tissue type is that the new stem cells will go to the bone marrow and start making blood 
And after a while, we'll say, hang on, this isn't me. We'll therefore attack the new surroundings that it's in. So that's something called graft versus host disease. That's the bone marrow attacking the new person. So if there's incompatibility, the the patient receiving the bone marrow can reject the bone marrow. But actually, more importantly, and more often a problem these days, the new bone marrow can attack the person. That's graft versus host disease. So we really need bone marrow that's compatible. We need a bone marrow donor who has the right tissue type to match the patient who's getting the bone marrow. So now let me tell you what this tissue type is all about. And that's what today's podcast is about. It's about tissue typing. Well, you've heard of blood cell groups. You know, people are A positive or B positive. And you know, when we do a blood transfusion, we have to have compatible blood groups. So you can't just give any old blood to any old person. Well, tissue typing is a bit like that, but it is completely different. So people with the same blood group won't necessarily have the same tissue type. So it's a bit similar in principle, but it's a totally different system. See, humans and animals, we've all evolved ways to identify what is self and what's non-self. So the, the body is designed to detect intruders into the body, things that aren't that person. So we have a complex system that will identify things that are not part of ourselves and then we use our immune system to get rid of them. And the key component to identifying self is our tissue type. So one of the key ways that our body responds to foreign cells in our system is by identifying that these cells have a different tissue type. And our body responds to cells with the wrong tissue type by attacking them. And so when we do a bone marrow transplant, we need to know that the bone marrow donor and the patient getting the bone marrow have a similar tissue type. So now I want to explain to you how this tissue type thing is measured and worked out. The tissue type is determined within a system that we call the HLA system. So we do HLA typing on a patient to work out their tissue type. HLA, human leukocyte antigen. It's also part of something called the MHC system. That's the major histocompatibility complex, MHC. But today, let's keep it simple. We'll talk about HLA typing. Now, first off, I'm going to talk about HLA typing, and I'm going to talk about HLA-A system, the HLA-B system, and the HLA-DR system. Now, there's other systems as well that are all part of it. But these are the main ones that we used for the first few decades of bone marrow transplants. So each of us has HLA-A type, an HLA-B type, and an HLA-DR type. So if you look at a person's HLA-A type, they will have two numbers, two chemicals. So they might be HLA-A2 and A13. Or they might be A15 and A26. Or A38 and A27. 
So everyone's got two numbers in their HLA A. Then they've got two numbers in their HLA B. Again, could be B16 and B29 or HLA B12 and B48 or B this or B that. And then everyone has two DR numbers. So it might be DR2 and DR3. So eventually people have six numbers in their tissue type. They have two A's, two B's and two DR's. And all up, that makes your six HLA antigens. So back in the early days, before the scientists went and made everything super complicated, we could describe a patient's HLA typing or their tissue type by saying they're HLA A12 and A26, B7 and B49 and DR3 and DR8. And all of that would be the patient's tissue type. And then we'd go and find a bone marrow donor who matched up to the six antigens. So you'd go looking for someone who was a six out of six match, hopefully. That'd be what you'd want to find. Now, since then, things have got more complicated because now we include HLA-C typing and HLA-DQ typing. So nowadays you talk about wanting a 10 out of 10 match. But for now, let's stick with A, B and DR and two numbers in each of those, two for A, two for B, two for DR, and so you want to get a six out of six match, generally. Now, the next thing to talk about is the inheritance of HLA types, because if you've heard anything about looking for a bone marrow donor, you'll have heard that people generally start by looking in the family to look for someone who can be a match. So, this gets complicated. All right, now... You've all heard of chromosomes, right? Chromosomes are in the cell nucleus, and each chromosome, just think of it as one super huge DNA molecule. Okay, big long strip of DNA that has genes for all sorts of different things. Has the genes for blue eyes or brown eyes, has the genes for your toenails, has genes for muscle proteins. And on chromosome 6, there's a particular area on chromosome 6 And that's where the HLA genes are located. So on this little strip of chromosome 6, as you go along the DNA, there's the gene for your HLA A. There's a gene for one of your HLA Bs. And the gene for one of your HLA DRs. Now, you have two copies of chromosome 6. You have two copies of all your chromosomes, except XY if you're a male. Okay, so you've got two copies of chromosome 6. So over on the other chromosome 6, you've got the gene for your other HLA-A and your other HLA-B and your other HLA-DR. So one copy of each on one chromosome 6 and one copy of each on the other chromosome 6. Now, you inherited one lot of A, B and DR from one parent and you inherited the other A, B and DR genes from the other parent. So your mother had two copies of A, two copies of B and two of DR. Well, you get one of her A's, one of her B's and one of her DR. And from the father, you get one of his A's, one of his B's and one of his DR's. So now you've got genes for all six HLA types. You've now got two genes for HLA-A, two for B, and two for DR. 
but you're a mixture of the mothers and the fathers HLA types. So you're a 50% match with mother and a 50% match with father automatically. But unfortunately, it also means that you're a 50% mismatch with mother and a 50% mismatch with father. So a given child is a 50% perfect match and a 50% total mismatch with each parent. And that's why parents are usually not the first choice for a bone marrow donor because most of the time they're only a 50% match. Now, I say most of the time for complicated reasons. It's possible to be a closer match. But most of the time, they're going to be a perfect 50% match, but a perfect 50% mismatch. Okay, now let's talk about other children in the family. So the patients, brothers and sisters. So remember, the patient has got one lot of chromosome 6 from the mother and one lot of chromosome 6 from the father, and they end up with their 6 HLA antigens. Now, if they have another child, then that child gets one of mother's chromosome 6s and one of father's chromosome 6s all over again. But there's a 50% chance for each of those chromosome 6s of it being the same one that they gave to the patient. So the mother has two chromosome 6s, Well, one of those is the one that the patient inherited. Well, with the other child, half the time it'll be the same one that the patient inherited and half the time it'll be the other one. Likewise, the patient has inherited the HLA genes on chromosome 6 from the father. Well, the other child has a 50% chance of getting the same copies of the HLA genes that the patient has and a 50% of getting the completely mismatched ones. So when you work it out, there's a 1 in 4 chance that a given brother or sister will get the exact same chromosome 6 genes for the HLA types. So a 1 out of 4 chance that a given child will be a perfect match with the patient. And that's the key figure to keep in mind, that... A brother or sister of the patient, provided they have the same mother and the same father, has a 1 in 4 chance of having the same HLA genes from mother and father that mother and father also gave to the patient. So a 1 in 4 chance. So needless to say, if you have 10 brothers and sisters, your chances are better. If you have 1, then your chances are less for being a perfect match. But it's not a case of so long as you have four, well, one of them will be a perfect match. It doesn't work that way. You can toss a coin ten times and get eight heads and two tails. And there's no predicting which brother or sister is more likely to be a perfect match with the patient. It doesn't come down to which ones look the same. doesn't mean if one's a boy and the other's a boy, then that's more likely. It's nothing to do with how emotionally close they are or their personalities are the same. It's none of that. It's all just a total random event that one in four will have the same combination of these HLA genes as the patient and then they'll be quite closely matched on this tissue typing test. And in fact, not only will they be closely matched for those tissue typings, they'll be really closely matched. So... 
the DNA sequence that codes for each HLA gene should be pretty much identical with the patient. So there'll be a really nice close match at the HLA types. They won't just look similar in the lab, but they will be DNA identical for those HLA genes. And that's what we call a genotypic match. So when we know that a patient is going to need an allogeneic bone marrow transplant, the normal place we start looking is within the family. And normally we'll do this HLA typing test on the patient, and we'll do it on the parents, and we'll do it on the brothers and sisters. And we do it on the parents because it helps us understand the results in the children for complicated reasons. But each brother and sister, assuming they have the exact same parents, can either be a perfect match, that's one out of four times, they can be a 50% match, that's two out of four times, or they can be a complete zero out of six match, that's one out of four times. Now it is possible that without being the six out of six match, you can still end up a four out of six or a five out of six or even a six out of six match in a different way. So if the mother and the father actually have similar tissue types themselves, just by coincidence, or because they were related, so for instance, parents that are cousins, for instance, then there is the possibility of getting a brother or sister who is a closer match than just three out of six. But that's all very complicated now, and I don't want to confuse you. So just stick with that basic principle that about one out of four can be a perfect match with the patient. Now, what if more than one of the brothers and sisters is a perfect match? Which one do you use for a bone marrow transplant? Well, now that's getting a bit complicated. But the bone marrow transplant team will look at all sorts of things. They might look at blood groups this time. They may look at whether any of the potential donors have ever had children. That can be relevant. They'll look at whether they've got any viruses or exposure to certain viruses. There's a whole lot of things that a bone marrow transplant team will look at to decide which of two brothers, sisters can they use. But that's what we like to see, a matched sibling donor. So a sibling is a brother or sister. So we like a matched sibling donor. And that's very often the best sort of bone marrow donor you can have, provided they're healthy enough and willing enough to donate bone marrow for the transplant. Now, if there are no matched sibling donors in the family, then it gets more complicated. That's when the bone marrow transplant team start looking elsewhere for a bone marrow donor. And it may be in those circumstances that they do look elsewhere in the family. You can look within extended family trees in a very logical and coordinated scientific way to try to find someone who happens to be a match with the patient. Sometimes that's an approach that's used. And again, it's nothing to do with which aunts and uncles and cousins are emotionally close to the child or similar in appearance or age or anything like that. It's all done in scientific fashion based on HLA types and there are real experts in this stuff that tell you where to look within a family. See, we often tell a family that a patient might need a bone marrow transplant and then the next thing we know, we've got the entire extended family turning up at the blood bank to have their tissue typing done and all the friends and all the relatives and the football team and the cricket team and everybody's there to have their bone marrow tested 
to see if they can be a bone marrow donor for the bone marrow transplant. Now, I admire this greatly. It's very generous of people to make themselves available in such a fashion. But generally speaking, we'll want to look at the brothers and sisters first because if we can get a match there, then it's really the best match you can have. And it's only if we are not successful with the brothers and sisters that then we need to look elsewhere to find a bone marrow donor. So just a few words on where else we might look to find a bone marrow donor. So like I said, if there's no matched sibling donor, so no brother or sister who's a perfect match, then we have to look elsewhere. And we may look elsewhere in the family, but we may not. It's nothing to do with who's got a loving family and who hasn't. It's all based on the particular tissue types and how common those tissue types are. And what are the chances of just getting lucky finding one of the tissue types in the extended family. Another place we might look is in one of the international bone marrow donor registries. There are people who have donated a blood sample, they've been tissue typed, HLA typed, and they've said, well, if ever someone needs a bone marrow transplant, and if I'm the one that matches, well, you can talk to me, and I might be able to donate bone marrow. So there's these bone marrow donor registries all around the world, And we can search in those registries to look for someone with the exact same HLA type as our patient. And then if we find someone who's a match, then we can be in contact with them through the registry. There's all sorts of well-defined standard operating procedures for how a potential donor is approached and discussions can take place about donating bone marrow and then they have to be checked out to check that they really are healthy and then confirmatory tissue typing will probably be done just to make sure that the tissue typing is as we reported it the first time around and then we can look to whether that person will indeed donate the bone marrow for the bone marrow transplant or it might be bone marrow stem cells. Another place we can look is in the umbilical cord blood registries. So You know, umbilical cord blood, that's the blood that's left in the placenta and the umbilical cord after a baby's been born and then they've cut the cord. Baby's born, clamp the cord, cut the cord, and then the blood that remains in the cord and the placenta, for some reason, it's full of bone marrow stem cells. So we can collect that blood, freeze it, and then use it for a bone marrow transplant, believe it or not. And there are banks around the world, these umbilical cord blood banks, where they've collected that blood, frozen it, they've tissue typed it, and they've tested it for certain infections, etc. And there it is sitting, ready to be used if someone else needs a bone marrow transplant. And I'll do another episode on all of this later on, but basically it's another source of bone marrow stem cells The advantage is that they're already collected, they're ready to go, they just need to be shipped and then they can be used. So they can be available at short notice. The disadvantage is that the size of the donation might not be as great as that which you can get from an adult bone marrow donor. So little baby's umbilical cord blood will only be a certain dose of stem cells, whereas a bone marrow donor can give a lot more stem cells. And stem cell dose can matter, particularly with bigger patients. So if there's no match sibling donor, we can look elsewhere in the family for someone who might be a perfect match. We can look at the international bone marrow donor registries for someone who's a match, and we can look at the umbilical cord blood banks for someone who's a match. 
Now, in some circumstances, we just won't find someone who is a perfect match in any of those locations. Then we might have to consider alternatives. One might be to use a mismatched family member. Sometimes we get lucky and we find someone who is a 4 out of 6 or a 5 out of 6 match with the patient for complicated reasons. So that patient might be a donor. The other one is to go back to mother and father. Now remember what I said, mother and father are almost always going to be a perfect 3 out of 6 match, but unfortunately a 3 out of 6 mismatch. Not always, but very often there are 3 out of 6 match, and that's what you call a haplotype mismatch. Each 3 out of the 6 is a haplotype, so we have two haplotypes. We inherit a haplotype from our mother and a haplotype from our father. So each parent is usually a haplotype mismatch. Another way of putting it is they are haploidentical with the patient. And there is a type of bone marrow transplant called a haploidentical bone marrow transplant where we take on a donor who is only a 3 out of 6 match with the patient. And that usually is a mother or father. Now that's a more complicated sort of bone marrow transplant. It needs specialised procedures. There's additional risks involved, but it is an option sometimes. This is very specialised now, working out when you could use a haplo donor and when you might not. So now to further confuse you, there's actually different ways of determining people's HLA types. So originally it was done using a technique called serology, S-E-R-O-L-O-G-Y, so serology. Nowadays we can actually do molecular typing, so we can actually work out the DNA sequence of the HLA genes in an individual patient and in a potential donor. And then we can see, well, how close a match are they really? Remember I said that the match sibling donor is normally DNA identical if they're a 6 out of 6 match. Well, when we have an unrelated donor, we can do this molecular typing at certain of the HLA types to see who's a better donor, assuming we've got a choice between more than one. The other thing is that it used to always be that we talked about HLA A, B and DR. Nowadays we can also do HLA-C and HLA-DP and all of those are on chromosome 6 together. So you normally inherit all 5 from one parent and 5 from the other. And so you end up with 10 HLA molecules and so you really would like a donor who's a 10 out of 10 match now, not just the old 6 out of 6 match. And of course there's all these other components to histocompatibility that we're only just learning about and aren't routinely being measured but there are other components to it which one day we may be able to identify. Because the fact remains that even when we identify the best match donor we can, we still have problems sometimes with graft-versus-host disease. And this is a really vital point, that there really is no such thing as a perfectly matched donor. The donor may be 6 out of 6, they may be 10 out of 10, they may be 12 out of 12, but unless they're an identical twin, then they're not really a true perfect match. There's still other components of our tissue type that we don't even know about yet. And even with a close HLA match, we can still run into problems. So even when we have a matched donor, we can do the bone marrow transplant from them, 
but still find that graft-versus-host disease develops, and so we normally still need to give drugs to suppress the immune system and prevent graft-versus-host disease from developing. So the, the new bone marrow still isn't entirely happy with its new surroundings, and it still needs to be toned down a bit with immune-suppressing drugs to stop that graft-versus-host disease. Anyway, my head's starting to spin now, trying to get my brain around all this HLA typing business. It really is quite complicated. But to sum up, it's our HLA type that determines our tissue type, and we want a bone marrow donor who is a close match tissue type with the patient, and that's so we can decrease the risk of graft-versus-host disease and decrease the risk of rejecting the bone marrow. And our tissue type is made up of these six HLA chemicals, two HLA-As, two HLA-Bs, and two HLA-DRs, and we inherit three from mother and three from father. And that makes up our six HLA types. So remember, we're normally a 50% match with each parent, and when we have brothers and sisters, one in four brothers and sisters, statistically, on average, will be a perfect match with the patient. So the usual first place to look for a bone marrow donor is among the brothers and sisters and if we don't find a match there then we have to consider do we have to look elsewhere for a bone marrow donor. So I really hope this makes sense. I feel like I've confused myself quite frankly trying to explain all of this but let me know if it doesn't make sense. Uh, Leave a comment at the Facebook page But for now, I'll leave it there. We'll talk more about bone marrow transplants in coming episodes. And so I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.